Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast finds you well. I hope you're all having a great day and a great week. And I just pray that all things are going well for you. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. Um, I really enjoy doing this and I, I pray most importantly that it's a benefit to you and that hearing a portion of God's Word and hearing some some of the applications of it is beneficial to you in your life uh, because that's the goal. The goal of this is to be another resource out there for us you know, Christians and even for those who aren't Christians, you know, who are just learning about Christianity and are considering the idea of God and church and being a Christian. You know, this podcast, I want it to just be an opportunity for people to hear, you know, very real, practical information and insight about the Bible, but also about how it applies to our daily lives through the good, the bad, and the messy parts of our lives. And so, if you have been following along with this season of Thursday Thoughts, or e- or even if you're just tuning in for your first episode, I, I'm glad that you're here, and I hope that this will be a beneficial to you, you know, and that and that God can use it to impact your life. And so with this season of Thursday Thoughts, we have been looking at the book of Proverbs. We have been looking at the book of Proverbs. In particular, we've been looking at, you know, we, we talked about what Proverbs is, what its purpose is, what is it, what is a proverb, and, you know, we've looked at that, and then we've went through passages in the book of Proverbs and just broken them down one at a time and what they mean for our lives. And so today we'll continue to do the same. Today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 11. Um, So if you're going to follow along in your Bibles, feel free to go there. But I want to tell you guys a story first. Hetty Green, that's H-E-T-T-Y Green, Hetty Green was possibly America's greatest cheapskate. She died in 1915, leaving an estate valued at over $1 million dollars. But she always ate cold oatmeal because it cost too much to heat it. Her son had to suffer through a leg amputation unnecessarily because Hetty wasted so much time looking for a free clinic that he wasn't examined early enough. Hetty Green was wealthy, but she chose to live like she was bankrupt. Eccentric? Yes. Crazy? Perhaps. But nobody could prove it. She was so foolish that she hastened her own death when she suffered a stroke by becoming too excited over a discussion about the value of drinking skimmed milk. You know, we may laugh at the foolishness of this eccentric old woman from, you know, over a hundred years ago, but the fact is that this is a tragic illustration of many Christians. Because as Christians, we have limitless wealth at our disposal. And yet, we often choose to live in spiritual poverty. Proverbs chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 reads, A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with the humble is wisdom. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the crookedness of the treacherous destroys them. That's Proverbs 11, 1 through 3. But we're going to mostly focus in verse 4 today, which has to do with the story that we just read. 
Proverbs chapter 11 verse 4 reads, Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. So after three juxtapositions in chapter 11 verses 1 through 3, the the three juxtapositions are, in verse 1 we saw truth versus uh, being false. In verse 2 we saw humility versus pride. And in verse 3 we saw integrity versus versus duplicity. And so the parallelism of chapter 11 verse 4 is striking since it places the profit of wealth in opposition with the profit of righteousness, right? Which is what delivers from death. That's what righteousness does. The opposition is surprising, yet this proverb shows how people put their trust in one or the other. People either put their trust in righteousness or people put their trust in worldly things like money. More than a simple, you can't take it with you, the point of Proverbs 11.4 is rather that one can use wealth in a righteous way, or better yet, what should instead focus on righteousness, because wealth in itself offers no security, right? In the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea chastised those who cheated in business and then trusted in their wealth in Hosea chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. On a positive note, however, we can think of Paul's teaching for those who do have money and have acquired wealth in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19. In that passage, Paul is basically saying, you know, for those who are wealthy, you know, make sure that you don't value your money over God, but focus on God and be ready to give it freely and, you know, Invest in your future, which is your future in heaven, and not these this world, right? That's kind of what Paul's point is in 1 Timothy 6, 17-19. Because such a creative use of money is an expression of righteousness, if you will. And the vocabulary of the proverb reminds the reader of Proverbs chapter 2. Ill-gotten treasures are of no value, but righteousness delivers from death. And so I told that story at the beginning because I think what it illustrates, you know, this this lady who had a vast estate and had a lot of money, but yet she lived like she was bankrupt. It's an illustration for us as Christians. Spiritually, we have a wealth unlike any other because Jesus Christ uh, has offered us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He's offered us eternal life, true wealth, and true fi- true freedom, if you will. But yet, sometimes we choose to live in spiritual poverty because we don't focus on reading our Bible. We don't focus on praying. We don't focus on uh, doing good deeds and being in the world and telling people about the good news and displaying it for others and letting our light shine. And so we choose to live in spiritual poverty sometimes. And And again, the point is not that there's an issue with having a lot of money and wealth. The issue is that whenever we... Whenever we focus on our riches and the profit that they bring us, it's not going to do us any good in the day of wrath, as Proverbs chapter 4 says. When Jesus comes back, that's not going to do us any good, however much money you had. You could have a billion dollars, but when Jesus comes back, that ain't going to matter. What's going to matter is the righteousness, the profit of righteousness, which is living for Jesus, right? That's what righteousness is, Basic, a very basic definition of it uh, biblically, is living the way Jesus instructs us to, living holy as he calls us to. And so what this proverb reminds me of is the lesson that Jesus gives his disciples in Matthew chapter 16 and in Luke chapter 9, but we're going to read Matthew's account. 
In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28, it reads, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul or return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And so this this passage definitely relates to Proverbs chapter 11, verse 4, right? Because Jesus, so let's, uh, the context of Luke chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 16, right? So the stories leading up to it are the same in both of the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. So it first begins with, with Peter's confession, right? Both of those are found in Matthew and Luke. Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ. Then Jesus foretells his death and how he's going to have to suffer and die, and then Luke jumps straight into this story about Jesus talking about how we need to deny ourselves. But in Matthew, it then talks about the story of Peter, you know, trying to say, Jesus, you know, that's not going to happen to you. And, you know, Jesus doing the, the line that we all know, you know, get behind me, Satan, which is Jesus just trying to get Peter to understand that these things need to happen. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, the, the stories that are found in both Matthew and Luke, right? So Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ and then Jesus talking about how the Son of Man, the Christ, will have to suffer. And then right after that, Jesus reminds them, you know, how, you know, Jesus is basically foretelling his death in another way and foretelling what the disciples are going to have to do and what we as Christians are going to have to do in the case of taking up our cross and denying ourselves. right? That taking up the cross symbolizes us dying to ourselves, dying to our will, dying to our way, and living for Jesus. Because just like Jesus said in verse 25 of Matthew 16, Whoever would save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. What Jesus is saying is that, you know, we need to live for him. We don't need to live selfishly for ourselves. And Jesus is embodying what he's telling them, right? Because Jesus is denying himself and doing his Father's will, right? He's going to literally lose his life because he's living for the Father, right? And in return, God's going to bless him, right? And God puts everything but under Jesus' feet. Jesus becomes the king, right? And then again, we see the same language we read in Proverbs 11.4 and verse 26, right? What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in return for his soul, right? And so we see this language of profit, just like in Proverbs 11.4. And basically, at the end of the day, Jesus is saying, you know, what's it going to get you if you gain the whole world? If you have all the world's wealth, but you lose your soul, what is that going to mean for you? It means in the day of wrath, like Proverbs 11 says, you'll be caught in the eternal death. But however, the righteous will be delivered from death. That's what Proverbs 11.4 tells us, and that's what Jesus continues to teach us in his word, right? Because in verse 27, he says, For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. And so if all we've done in this life is accumulate worldly treasures, and if all we've done in this life is try to make a name for myself, you know, so it's more than just, you know, maybe it is talking specifically about material possessions, but if all I'm doing in my life is trying to make a name for myself, if I just focus on my work and I, you know, try to make, you know, try to make everyone see how great Joshua Warren is instead of let, trying to show people how great God is, 
I will get repaid according to my actions, right? I will receive the profit of my work, which is death. But if I focus and I live righteously and I deny myself and I take up my cross and I follow Jesus and I tell people about the good news and if I do good deeds for people and if I serve others and if I live a life of humility, then God, then I will be saved from death, just like Proverbs 11.4 says, but the righteousness, but righteousness delivers from death. Jesus will save us, right? Basically, the conclusion of all this, without surrendering one's life, present life to Christ, one cannot have eternal life with him. If we don't surrender to Jesus, we don't truly have eternal life. When you become a Christian, you're supposed to truly surrender, which means just like Jesus gave himself up to die on a cross and take it and carry it, we have to die to ourselves and take up our cross and follow him and bear the name of Christ, right? And so if we're not willing to surrender our lives to Christ, then we cannot have the eternal life that he promises. That's what Jesus is saying, right? Which is why verse 26 kind of forms this rhetorical question, and it's implying the answer, you know, what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The rhetorical answer is nothing, right? There is no way to buy, trade, or earn salvation, or to exchange it. This word exchange or return this Greek word is a typical term back in those days for a commercial transaction. It can refer to a price. In contrast, we only acquire salvation by responding to Jesus' death and resurrection with wholehearted discipleship and allegiance to him. And so here in Proverbs 11.4, we can also look at the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16 or in Luke chapter 9 and understand that Worldly things will not save us in the end. You know, they're, they're, and they're not necessarily bad to have, right? Paul, Paul in 1 Timothy, what we talked about in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19, Paul doesn't say it's a bad thing to have wealth and treasures, but it's important to keep God first and to continue to serve and be ready to give of that wealth. Because who gave you the wealth that you may have? God. God supplies all things to us. And so we have to keep God first and keep him as the most important thing in our lives. And so we have to be wholehearted disciples to him. We cannot have the eternal life that Jesus promises unless we fully invest and fully commit to the life of righteousness that Jesus asks us to live. We have to deny ourselves and take up our crosses and follow him daily. And so, basically, are we going to be like, like the good old Hetty Green and live a life of spiritual poverty and never use the spiritual wealth that we have or are we going to choose to live in the spiritual wealth that Christ promises and so as we conclude this episode of Thursday Thoughts I just want to encourage you guys to remember that life is about Jesus and life is about what he wants us to do we need to take up our crosses and live for him daily thank you guys for tuning in God bless <laughs>